I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to the fourth edition of episode 16 of the New Testament Gospels, an AIC Bible study video series. In episode 16, we begin discussion of St. Luke's account of the start of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, including his genealogy of Jesus and his account of the temptations of Christ. At the end of this episode, I'll point out where material presented is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, Annotated and Illustrated. Where St. Matthew's Gospel begins with a genealogy, St. Luke places his version as an interlude between major scenes. After the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, by John the Baptist, but before his account of the temptations of Jesus. The opening sentence in verse 23 notes that it marks the start of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. St. Luke's genealogy differs in at least six important ways from that of St. Matthew. The order of listing, the line of descent, the number of people included, St. Joseph's genealogy, the names of those left out, and the importance of the phrase, sons of God. The illustration throughout this sequence is a circa 800 AD illumination in tempera and gold on parchment from the Ada Gospels, commissioned by the new Holy Roman Emperor Charlemagne for his sister Ada. It was produced at the same scriptorium which created nine other illuminated Gospels during the same time period. The original is part of the Carolingian and Ottonian era manuscripts held at Wissenschaftliche Bibliothek der Stadt Trier, Trier, Germany. In the version I've used, the parchment background was removed by the vendor. No other version that I know of is currently available. First, St. Luke's genealogy is presented in reverse order, starting with St. Joseph in chapter 3, verse 23b, and working backward to the earliest entry, Adam, in 338. St. Matthew presented the names in chronological order, beginning with Abraham and ending with Joseph. The illustration of Joseph is an opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper by James T. So, painted between 1886 and 1894, from the Artist's Life of Christ series at the Brooklyn Museum, Brooklyn, New York. The second of the six major differences between the two genealogies is the line of descent. St. Luke's is a priestly male line order of descent with no mention of any women versus the royal line of descent from Abraham through David to Joseph used by St. Matthew in which four women other than Mary are named. The names of the four women and the reason they were included in Matthew's genealogy was discussed in episode 3. In St. Luke's reverse sequence, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham are not mentioned until chapter 3, verse 34. The illustration for this sequence of three is Luke writing his gospel from the Godestalk Evangelary produced between 781 and 783 A.D. under a commission from Charlemagne and his wife Hildegard from the Bibliothèque Nationale, Paris, France. It is the oldest surviving example 
of scriptural illumination from the Carolingian era. Charlemagne was crowned as Holy Roman Emperor on Christmas Day at Rome in the year 800 AD. Another difference in the line of descent is St. Luke's mention of descent from David's son Nathan in verse 31, verse St. Matthew's reference in Matthew 1.6 to descent from David's son and heir Solomon. Another difference in the line of descent is that St. Luke follows the line of Jesus past Abraham, that is backwards, past Abraham, the patriarch or father of the Hebrew nation, all the way back to Adam, the son of God. This is yet another example of parallelism, also known as type. Adam, the first man, was the first son of God. Jesus, the son of God through Mary by the action of the Holy Spirit. In St. Luke's Gospel, written for a broad audience among the Gentiles as well as the Hebrews, the genealogy puts more emphasis on universality, that is, that salvation is now available to all mankind. St. Matthew, who wrote for a Hebrew audience, placed the genealogy in a largely Hebrew context. St. Luke's Gospel names 77 ancestors, where St. Matthew names 42 in three groups of 14. There is an interesting example of numerology in this genealogy. I included a primer on numerology in episode 2 in the companion AIC Bible study video series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Scholars of numerology have observed that in St. Luke's genealogy of 77 names, the entry for David is number 42, which is an even multiple of 7, a magical number in Hebrew numerology. 7 is the sum of two other magical numbers, 4 and 3. Further, 77, the number of names in St. Luke's genealogy, is a double of the magical 7. The illustration for this sequence is Luke writing his gospel from the Fulda Gospels, attributed to the master illuminator at Fulda Abbey, Fulda, Germany, around 840 A.D. In his genealogy, St. Luke identifies Joseph as the son of Heli, which is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Eli, and which means God is on high. St. Matthew's genealogy names Jacob as Joseph's father. The Orthodox Study Bible New Testament and Psalms suggest that this may have been the result of the requirement in Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 and 6 that when a man died without producing children, his brother should marry the widow. This likely means that Joseph and Heli had the same mother but different fathers. There are several interesting facts about the genealogy. According to the count prepared for the New Jerome Bible Commentary written by Father Robert J. Karras, there are 36 names in Luke's genealogy which are not in Matthew's genealogy. Both accounts include Zerubbabel, one of the leaders of the rebuilding of the temple after the return from the exile in Babylon. The illustration is Luke writing his gospel from the Gospels of Henry II, made in 1014 A.D. for the last of the five Ottonian Holy Roman Emperors in Western Europe. 
It was made at the scriptorium at Reichenau Monastery, Reichenau, Germany, credited to the school of the monk Luthar. The sixth and final difference is the presence of the phrase Son of God at both ends of St. Luke's genealogy. Son of God at one end as Jesus, Adam, Son of God at the other. As I noted in comments earlier in this episode on Jesus' descent from Adam, this is another example of parallelism or types that is characteristic of the Gospel of St. Luke. Adam is the first man, Jesus is the perfect man, who at his baptism by John the Baptist had no sins to confess. As if the genealogy had not interrupted his narrative, St. Luke turns in verses four, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 to the three temptations of Christ in the wilderness. Note that he places them in a different order than in Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Also note that St. Mark's Gospel, in Mark 1, verse 12, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Here is St. Luke's account. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. Modern revisionists often deny the scriptural accounts of the temptations, which are the foundation of the penitential season of Lent. In this Bible study video series, I treat them as real and further as an opportunity to teach fundamental Christian doctrines and their Old Testament sources. St. Matthew's account, with its different order of the temptations, is the gospel reading for First Sunday in Lent. The illustration is an oil on canvas by Russian artist Vasily Surikov, painted in the realist style in St. Petersburg, Russia, in 1872 A.D. There are two Old Testament parallels to the form of the three temptations. Jesus fasted for 40 days, just as did Moses while he waited on Mount Sinai for the second set of tablets with the commandments. It's recorded in Exodus 34, verse 28, So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, he neither ate bread nor drank water. The second parallel is the broader issue of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. The illustration is a detail from a larger mid-17th century Russian Orthodox icon of the temptations. Having already noted in verse 2 that Jesus was hungry after his fasting, St. Luke recounts the first temptation in verses 3 and 4, saying, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The words of Jesus' Jesus's reply to Satan are from the Septuagint Old Testament text of Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. They illustrate his use of the Jewish rabbinical practice of quoting scripture to settle doctrinal disputes. The illustration is a detail from a miniature illumination in colors and gold on parchment 
place before Psalm 52 from a Psalter made near Oxford in the early part of the 13th century and before 1220 A.D. from Manuscript Royal 1DX, Folio 52B, in the British Library, London, England. The Devil's Legend says Dic ut lapidis, which is Vulgate Latin for stones to bread in the Vulgate version of Matthew 4.4, 4, which is 4.3 in the NKJV text. Jesus' legend reads Wade Retro Satana, which is Vulgate Latin for Get Back Satan or Get Behind Me Satan in the NKJV. Some translators translate the W in Wade as Vade. In the most fundamental way, this account, and to a lesser extent the two temptations that follow it, reflect Satan's taunting of God in the opening lines of the book of Job, that if God took away the favors Job enjoyed, the faithful servant Job would abandon his loyalty to God. He says that in, that, that account is from Job 1, verses 6 to 12. It also illustrates the ruling of the Fourth Ecumenical Council, which met at Chalcedon in 451 A.D., which ruled that Jesus had two natures, one fully divine and the other fully human. Here he is literally hungry in his humanity. The illustration is the same temptation as represented in a three-part illumination of the temptations from a page of three rows of scenes in the Codex Arius of Echternach, made at the Benedictine Abbey of Echternach, Echternach Luxembourg, which was then Germany, for the Ottonian dynasty of the Holy Roman Empire between 1030 and 1050 AD. From the collection at the Germanische National Museum, Nuremberg, Germany. There are several other copies of the Codex Arius. In the second temptation, the devil takes Jesus to, quote, a high mountain, unquote, from which St. Luke wrote in verse 5, they could see, quote, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. The devil has overstated his authority. In the account in Job mentioned earlier, God only gave him the opportunity to tempt Job and mankind by inference and not the sweeping authority he claims. The illustration is the temptation on the mount, a Byzantine-style tempera and gold-on panel work painted between 1308 and 1311 by Duzio di Bonincena, one of the last Western artists to paint in the Byzantine style. The original is part of the Frick Collection in New York. Jesus uses the devil's personal name in his reply, again citing scriptural precedent from the Old Testament, in this case Deuteronomy 6.13 and Deuteronomy 10, verse 20. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. 
The illustration is another of the series of three illuminations on the temptations from the Codex Aureus of Echternach. In the third and final temptation, the location moves to Jerusalem, which is presented first in St. Matthew's account. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. The devil's taunt is from the Septuagint Old Testament text of Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, which are the basis for the Old Testament and Christian understanding of the guardian angel. As he did in the two previous temptations, Jesus replied with a verse from the Old Testament, in this case Deuteronomy 6:16. 6, and Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. The quotation from Deuteronomy is often cited to justify the interpretation of what is appropriate in Christian prayer, that is, never asking for something that does not also serve God's purposes. St. Luke follows up with another summary paragraph before switching to his next topic. In verse 13, he wrote, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, until an opportune time. Traditional Christian teaching concerning Satan includes the memory of his answer in Job 1 verse 7 to God's question as to where he had come from, and the answer was going to and fro on the earth from walking back and forth on it. And the warning issued by St. Peter in 1 Peter 5 verse 7 to beware Satan who, quote, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In the context of the summary in verse 13, he is awaiting an opportune time. The illustration for the sequence is Jesus carried up to a pinnacle of the temple, a last quarter 19th century opaque watercolor by artist James Tissot from the previously cited collection at the Brooklyn Museum. I close the discussion of the three temptations of Christ with the full three-scene illumination in temper and gold on parchment from the mid-11th century Codex Aureus of Echternach, each used in smaller form earlier, and also with the observation made in many study Bibles that in the three temptations Jesus succeeded in resisting the devil or Satan where the Hebrew nation had failed to do so. He chose, and they failed to follow the word of God, a challenge still faced by all Christians and non-Christians in the 21st century. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode, in this same series, New Testament Gospels, the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of St. Matthew, is discussed in Episode 2 and Episode 3. The Baptism of Christ in the Gospel of St. Mark was discussed and illustrated in Episode 7. 
And from our long-running podcast homily series, listen to the latest version of the podcast homily for First Sunday in Lent, focused on 2 Corinthians 6, 1-10, and Matthew 4, 1-11, the latter St. Matthew's account of the temptation. From the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, from the first series, the 1928 BCP Saints, St. John is the focus of episode 4, Mark of 7, John the Baptist of 10, Peter of 11, Matthew of episode 14, and St. Luke of 15. From the AIC Bookstore publication, the Gospel of Luke annotated and illustrated, topics include from chapter 3, Luke's genealogy of Jesus, and from chapter 4, The Temptations of Jesus, the illustration from page 49, is from the Codex Aureus of Ecternac, and from Layman's Lexicon. Words and phrases of interest for this episode are angels and archangels, including the guardian angel, baptism, commandments, father, Gentiles, Holy Spirit, Satan, sin, and type, a variation on parallelism. From Revelation, an idealist perspective, the primer on numerology is featured on pages 7 to 11. In Prayer Book Psalter, Psalm 91 is discussed on pages 212 to 213. It is the third of four psalms read in the Compline Office, printed on pages 121 to 127 of the AIC Bookstore publication, Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Offices for the Laity. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog a page featuring information about the latest projects, videos, and publications, usually with an illustration from the featured series. You can reach the blog page by clicking the links at the top or the bottom of any page or by entering the direct URL address in your browser, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog with blog in all small letters. You can Help us by clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, which will entitle you to receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. We do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for Episode 16. Next time in episode 17, we will begin discussion of the unique parables in the Gospel of St. Luke. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.